Welcome to the Good Life Agora Hills podcast. Join us each month as we discuss important city projects, programs, and initiatives with the community. We appreciate your support and thank you for tuning in. Hello, Agora Hills community, and welcome to another episode of the Good Life Agora Hills podcast. I'm Ramiro Adeva, your assistant city manager and the proud host of this podcast. I'm so excited today for our special guest. She's near and dear to the city. She's so many things. She's an environmentalist. She's a preservationist. And like many of you, she has a deep love for wildlife and has turned that passion into action by working tirelessly on the project that we're gonna talk about today. So you don't wanna hear from me. Let me go ahead and bring her on. So without further ado, it gives me great honor to introduce our special guest today. She's the California Regional Executive Director for the National Wildlife Federation, and more importantly, a dear friend to Agora Hills. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the one, the only, Ms. Beth Pratt. Come on. Let's go, come on, let's go. Let's go, keep it going, ladies and gentlemen, let's go. Here she is, Beth. Oh, Romero, it's so great. I mean, we've been working together for years now, and I feel like we've been on this long journey together, and here we are. So it's really delightful to sit down with you. Well, listen, and I appreciate you being here. I know that you have an extremely busy schedule. I've watched you on TED Talks. I've watched you do <laughs> news channel you know, interviews. So the fact that every time Agora Hills comes a call in, Beth Pratt seems to always make the time to come talk to us, so we appreciate it. Well, Agora Hills to me is a second home. I mean, as you know, I don't live in the LA area. I live up near Yosemite. Uh, Agora Hills is a second home, and it's great to have always been welcomed to this community by you and others. And how nostalgic is it that, for those of you that can't recognize this from our surroundings, we're actually here at King Gillette Ranch, right? Yep. And mm -hmm. not too long ago, April 22nd, 2022, which was Earth Day at the time, Ooh. We yeah. had the big groundbreaking party here. And for me personally, this is awesome because I was reminded, I met Beth Pratt for the first time, I thought three years ago. It was actually seven years ago. <laughs> time is meaningless these days. You <laughs> right know. here at King Gillette Ranch. So it's awesome to be here again, full circle, um, really looking at a project that's, you know, we can see that light at the end of the tunnel. It was when we met, I think it was 2016. I know it seems, I mean, time just seems so elusive these days, um, but we had just, um, we're doing public comment on the environmental document. And yes, the crossing at that point seems so far away. We had to get through environmental review. It had to be designed and engineered and we had to get the money. Uh, but here we are. I mean, we were just talking about how fun it is to drive by Liberty Canyon on the 101 and see the bulldozers in this, you know, part of the Absolutely. structure. You know, and it takes a remarkable person to do that. So I want to start there with this interview and really talk about Beth Pratt, the person, because, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I've been in awe and in amazement after first meeting you years ago, but I want the community to understand truly how remarkable a person you are. So this first question is more, who is Beth Pratt? Um, maybe talk to us about what you're passionate about and talk to us about this journey that you've been on to get to where we are today. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of feel sheepish. I don't feel all that remarkable. I mean, I think this to me was a labor of love because I've been passionate about protecting wildlife since I was a little girl. And, um, and obviously it takes a village to get something like this built. It took the city and all your partnership. It took the National Park Service. It took the Santa Monica Mountains Conservancy, Caltrans, you know, you could go down the list, you know, Governor Newsom, Wallace Annenberg. Um, I guess though what it also took was somebody like me who could be relentlessly a champion. And I feel like that's my, 
you know, been my role in this to sort of be the quarterback and or whatever, the coach, and to, to just bring all those partners together and to, to find the money and the, the public support for it. But for me, it just felt like I had no choice, right? And I think the when I first learned about what this mountain lion population was suffering from, their plight, you know, that you had, here you are in the Santa Monica Mountains and, and all this urbanization, yet you still have all this open space and wildlife, which I think the city of Agora Hills should be applauded for. You've done the, the sort of balance so well at, yes, we need places for people to live and shop and eat, but you've done so well at preserving this rural character, really, in a, in a, a very um, uh, urban area, um, and that these mountain lions were hanging on in other wildlife. Once I learned, though, that they might not, from Jeff Sickich, the biologist, I just, like, for me, it wasn't even a choice. It was like, oh, well, there's a solution. We just need to do that, and these mountain lions won't go extinct. Well, how could we not? You know, I'm not... Like, we can't build houses or can't. I just, for me, the wildlife crossing is the perfect symbol of you can do both. It's just going to take some adjustment, right? And that finish line's right there. It's there. I know. Here we are. I mean, Romero, it's, it's I mean, you were there. We had to go to planning meetings for years and right. work out engineering, which is way over my head. But, I mean, the fi we, are we are here. It is here. really remarkable that, and, and I, I, I know based on, you know, your, your talks and, and prior mayors like Mayor Lopez and Mayor, Mayor Weber, to have Agora Hills be the site of this, really, we, I, I think if you don't work in conservation, you may not, this is unprecedented. I mean, this is one of the most significant conservation projects of our time. As you know, we were just named one of the um, top, it was 15 of, I think, 50 or 100 most influential projects of 2022, up there with the Human Genome Project and the James Webb Telescope. That's like, amazing. wow, so thank you, Agora Hills, for this is your, this is gonna be in your backyard, you oh, know? <laughs> and thank you for that. And speaking of Agora Hills, uh, Fran Pavley, you're a good friend, great friend of ours, and obviously, uh, you know, spent so much time creating policies at the state legislature, but we like to think of her more importantly as our first mayor first of our mayor, sayer, right? Exactly. And mm -hmm. huge proponents of this project since day one. She reached out to me recently and pointed out, I thought, an interesting excerpt from a 1985 general plan, right? Where I'm going to actually read it for the, for the community oh, at home. Wow. But it, it talked about in the 1985 general plan of the city, right? 1985. There's text in there that talks about Liberty Canyon as being formally recognized as an important wildlife corridor to be maintained in order to increase the effective range of a number of species, including mountain lions and bobcats. And so when you think about something that was nearly 40 years ago written, what we're really seeing is action part the the sort of the tail end of that action plan right there was a lot of forethought that went behind this literally generations that worked through preserving land that worked through the politics of the time so that something like this could be realized today does that ever kind of hit you and, and, and kind of put you in a, a good feeling it does you know um I, ha I still haven't finished it but when we um actually it's a couple of years ago started asking the partners for all of their history and fran had actually sent me a photo of that and Paul Edelman from the Conservancy sent me some documents, and Rory and the Park Service, and there is such a long history here that also is visionary and unprecedented. You're reading that from 1985. When they were writing that plan, when Paul Edelman and um, the Conservancy were doing some early planning around Liberty Canyon and preserving land and talking about corridors, that was visionary for its time. Now it's pretty typical. So 
there is a long legacy. The, if the Conservancy hadn't preserved the land, we wouldn't have this. If the Park Service and you know didn't start studying wildlife movement, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we wouldn't know this. So there's something about like this place, Agora Hills, and this that you just had the right assemblages of visionary people, not just now, but 30 years ago. That is pretty impressive. And I think for me, it was about carrying on, how dare I let all these people down, all, all the people who helped preserve all the land and the, you know, or the wild, but there's a whole legacy of people here that I almost felt like I owed to carrying that legacy. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and get into, obviously, details about the project, but I think that we would be remiss if we got into the project without first talking about P22. So, you know, P22, I, I read an article recently and the writer wrote, um, used the word iconic to describe uh, P22, and I would totally agree, right? Because when I think of an icon, that's like a symbol of something, sort of this greater cause, right? And, and you think of P22 and the journey that he went through to get to where he was. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he went 405, possibly the 101 freeway, to get to where he ended up in the Hollywood Hills and kind of became an overnight celebrity, right? I mean, he was up there and um, became this symbol of hope, sort of like for something greater. And I think that that's a great thing. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, uh, you know, we had the recent passing of P22, but it's not, it's definitely not for naught because there's all this great work that's being done while he was alive. And now um, in his passing, there's still uh, so much to be done. And I think that at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, uh, you know, he will have stood for something that has greater benefits all throughout society. And so, um, can you kind of give perspective on P22? I know that you were um, obviously very connected to, to the whole uh, the movement and P22 so that the folks at home can kind of get an understanding of, of what P22 meant for the project. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you put it so well. He, he symbolized something greater than ourselves. And, you know, after his death, um, I was staying at a hotel and I had a full view of Griffith Park. And I remember thinking, God, Griffith Park will never be the same, but in a sad way. And then all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, no, that's, that's actually good, right? Nobody's ever gonna be able to look at Griffith Park or LA the same way because we now know what's possible. He showed us that a mountain lion could be there. He showed us that wildlife can be, you know, we can share landscapes together. He also showed us the challenges that wildlife face, right, to his death. I mean, I think it is horribly tragic and just shows we have so much more work to do that in in the end it was a car strike that you know um, along with some other um, health issues that sort of the totality of it but it was the lack of connectivity that did him in at the end too uh, he dealt with it his whole life but made it work but in old age it just was not working anymore but yeah he I mean I think we wouldn't have a wildlife crossing without P22 when you talk about the team and everybody's roles you know, he, he's the guy that took a very scientific, you know, kind of techie concept, you know, fragmentation, genetic decline, you name it, and put it in, you know, his story made people understand it in a way that was relatable. Mm -hmm. You know, here's this lonely, kind of last of his kind bachelor, you know, trapped on this urban island, and he was making it work, yet, you know, he was never going to have a girlfriend. He, you know, he couldn't couldn't leave the Griffith Park area because of the freeways. Um, so I think that really showed people why wildlife crossings were needed in a way that 
you know, scientific papers, which we need, I'm a scientist, but didn't. And so that is why we have a wildlife crossing, that he really was the face of our movement, and not just the face, but the heart. And it's not just adults, it's kids too. Oh my God, I yeah. I mean, my kids have asked about this, you know, as they read about it, and they talk about it in the schools, yep. and it lends itself to a really great conversation about um, the environment and really the next generation's job to kind of take on what's started now, right? And you know, in this particular case, kind of highlighting or spotlighting just how fragile life is for these animals, not just the mountain lions, but a lot of species, right? Because of these human barriers that the freeways have presented. And so I think in that light, um, you know, P22 really, like you said, his legacy is gonna carry on. And hopefully with these younger generations that are looking at P22 and they understand it, they too will be inspired to do something more and to continue the legacy. So I think that's a great thing. They get it. I mean, we have kids like at P22 Day, you've seen, they've built, they've studied wildlife crossings for their whole, you know, they build wildlife crossing models or they, you know, they write a song about P22. They do music, they do art. Yeah, they get this sort of, impact our human environments have had in a way like I didn't as a kid and uh, listen we didn't know what we were doing when we built the 101 freeway or any freeway we didn't you know we thought at the time again you put aside some land here you're fine you know we didn't know when we built housing developments again we thought put aside some land here you're fine we now know though and and that's good because now we still can build houses and trails and roads we just know we have to do them differently what it, where, what's the sort of the final resting place for P22? I, I read one thing talking about possible taxidermy and a museum and, and other things, but do you, do you have anything to enlighten the community on that? We don't know yet. Um, so I, I can tell you what you know, myself and NWF would uh, prefer just based on kind of both public input and indigenous uh, input and just our own personal. I think, listen, we need some scientific data from P22, um, you know, science is, how we protect these animals. Science is how we are getting the wildlife crossing built. And I think that, you know, getting tissue samples and, you know, things that typically they do is the right thing to do so that we have what we need for science. But I also uh, think once that's done, P22 should, you know, he, again, he was a family for a lot of, he was special. Um, you know, I'm not sure what it is buried, but some sort of not an exhibit in the museum somewhere. So I think that's what um, myself and many are, are advocating for, but we don't know yet. I think discussions are ongoing on okay. that. Mm -hmm. So being a former public works director myself, yeah. I can speak to projects, right? And I know that with every project, especially the bigger ones, it always seems like there's, no matter what you do, you're never gonna be able to please everybody, exactly. right? For those folks that feel like the project is bringing the mountain lion population or bringing danger, that we're providing a direct connection to their homes. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? Yeah, listen, first of all, I understand, you know, people's fear around a 130 pound cat, right? Or, or any wildlife. I mean, I study wildlife, I'm around it. I know what their behavior means. And I know that 99.99% .99 of all wildlife encounters end fine for everybody involved. But if you're someone who's not familiar with mountain lion movement and behavior, I understand why the fear is there. And that is part of my, our job. I think NWF takes very seriously. If we're gonna you know, build this wildlife crossing, we also want people to feel comfortable. What I would say to what you asked though is it's, just, it's actually just not true. You have, where there are mountain lions can be in the Santa Monica Mountains, they're already there. Everybody here is already living with wildlife. This crossing will not bring more wildlife 
it is all it is going to do is ensure that the wildlife that is here does not disappear because of that genetic fragmentation. So it's not about bringing more wildlife to people's homes. It's just about ensuring that the wild heritage that's here remains. Now, having said that, people are still living here with mountain lions. So whatever the National Wildlife Federation can do, we do coexistence programs. You know, we're here for the community to, to let, to help people coexist, whether it be with coyotes, mountain lions, you know, you name it. All right. So the Wallace-Annenberg Wildlife Crossing Project. So exciting for everyone. You know, you can drive out there and see all the massive construction going on, and it's awesome. It's awesome, I, to right? Watch. I know. That it's... excitement builds off it. When you see something, you can deal with concepts all along plans, but when you see it actually getting built, that's when you start to feel excited. I'll tell you, when I'm down here, you know, I'm usually down here uh, every other week, I will get up at night and just do the you know, circles, get off at, you know, yeah. Lost Hills, drive up the freeway, get off at Chesbrough, right, get back right. on and just watch. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to see it come together. Yeah. It really is. This location, yeah. right? I mean, the 101 freeway goes forever in both yeah. directions. Why this particular location for this project? Yeah, I mean, this is, again, science, right? We, we know from decades of National Park Service study that the wildlife are trying to cross here. And indeed, if you look on a map, it's a f it's a, like a, kind of an hourglass, a natural yes. funnel. It's the last 1,600 feet of green space on both sides of the freeway. So the wildlife are always already kind of being filtered to this location and trying to cross. And what we know from these GPS points is they turn around most of the time. We actually don't get as much roadkill here as you'd think. It's such an obstacle. They're like, uh-uh, you know, and they, they turn around. I've stood out there at 2 a.m. I wouldn't even try, right? I mean, it never slows. So we had uh, the National Park Service's long-term study, but we also brought out a team of experts. I think it was 2015 to come out. These are people who've bought, built wildlife crossings all over the world, who study wildlife crossings, and they uh, were out for a few days. They this was, I think, was the Nature Conservancy, the Park Service, and then they, they brought out uh, the Santa Monica Mountains Conservancy along with this team of experts. And they looked at locations along the 101 and unanimously the report was, needs to be at Liberty Canyon, is the biggest it is the biggest impediment to connectivity here, and it needs to be an overcrossing to reconnect the ecosystem. So this was just, I mean, it was one of those like, right, there's no other place to put it. The number one also, predictor of success for wildlife crossings, or the number one criteria you need to build a successful one, is protected space on both sides. You can't just have the animal cross it and they get you know, dropped down in a target parking lot, right? That's sure, not gonna yeah. work. And this is really one of the only places on the 101 that has protected space on both sides. And we owe that to the Conservancy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And we're talking about a structure that's going to go over the 101 freeway, mm -hmm. and then ultimately gonna go over a gore road. And so that's gonna create that, that connection of the north and south sides over the 101 and Agora Road to really create that connectivity that we need. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, the crossing once finished is going to look seamless, but yeah, it's, you have the structure they're working on now, which is over uh, the 101, and then and, um, once that's finished, they will they do the utility relocation, as you know, and then, which we're undergrounding the lines, which is another great, yeah. you know, that's going to be a great fire um, prevention measure, and then the, the structure over Agora Road, but once it's all, like, the 
the landscapes on top, you won't notice the two yeah. structure thing. Yeah. And then is there, I, if, I, if I remember, there was a camera, right? That's actually, or cameras, I should yeah. say, that are actually kind of getting these images that people can go online and maybe take a look and kind of see the progression of the project. Is that true? Yeah, you don't have to be like me and be crazy and get up and drive <laughs> the freeway at, at midnight to watch. Uh, if you go to the 101 Wildlife Crossing website, 101wildlifecrossing.org, uh, or savelacougars.org, right on the front page, you'll see it's a series of construction cameras um, we put in. You can check in and get live updated images. We're also doing part of that camera, a, a time lapse of the entire project. That's so so cool. that's pretty so cool. cool. It, yeah, so that's gonna be really cool too. You'll be able to sort of see it. So, so yeah, the camera's sort of filming all the activity now. I love it. Mm -hmm. What is the schedule looking like for this project? It's still, so what we had to do because of that utility relocation was split the building of the actual two structures into two. Um, and so right now we broke ground on the 101 portion, about halfway through that. And when that's through, they will relocate the utilities, then start on the Agora structure. Mm -hmm. At this point, it's still, you know, again, it's such a massive sure. project, yeah. but at this point, it's still looking like by the end of 2025, ribbon cutting. You thought groundbreaking was a good yeah. party. <laughs> ribbon cutting is going right. to be a better party. That's right. Yeah. Level it up. Yeah, level it up. Yeah, baby. yeah, level that's great. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let me ask you this. So, mm -hmm. are there any concerns about, you know, because it is this project that's really being watched, not only in the country, but parts of the world? Yeah. And so, because it's got all that notoriety, is, it some, is there a concern that there's going to be this mass amount of parking needed or these mass amounts of groups coming in to look at this project? What would you say to that? And we take that very seriously, and I think you know, Romero, we've been talking with you and, and prior mayors about this for years. We are absolutely serious about working with the city to manage that. We're looking at doing viewing platforms sort of far away. There is no, absolutely no um, plans to um, do anything to expand those two parking areas. But having said that, yes, this is a worldwide project. Um, we want, you know, people are going to want to see it. So we want to work together on how to manage that so that we don't have a lot of traffic. I think a lot of that is virtual. Um, a lot of that is some of these, uh, the, as we talked about, we have a new docent program. So if we schedule tours where we control, you know, access, um, some of that will be having um, docents or staff stationed, you know, to manage, especially once it opens, I think is probably where, you know, the, some of the rushes might be. But yeah, we never want this to turn into residents, you know, lines of cars, and, and it won't. We, we are going to use tactics that other sites use. And, yeah. and of course, we'll work with the city every step of the yeah, way. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah we, we, mm -hmm. we, we're so proud to be partners mm -hmm. on this. So yeah, great. I mean, it's, it's sort of a fine line, right? We want the city and all of us want to showcase this incredible scientific conservation, go down the list achievement, but we also don't want it to turn into this, you know, uh, traffic circus. Right. So yes, we'll definitely- There's a balance there. Yeah, there's a balance we Absolutely. need to, to reach there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. April 22nd, we talked about this. April 22nd of 2022, big groundbreaking event. I mean, I think back to that event, Governor Newsom, U.S. Senator Padilla, you know, our state legislative reps, Congressman Ted Lieu, Wallace Annenberg made a rare appearance there. Mm -hmm. When you think about that, I mean, Beth, that, I mean, this, when you process what that event meant and the figures, the, the, the people that came out in support, what does it really say? How does it make you feel, A? And then what does it say about the, those partnerships and all of the support that's necessary to really make a project like this happen? Yeah. I mean, it, that showed you the village. I mean, everybody 
you know, the village was there who made that happen, from Governor Newsom and Wallace Annenberg, couldn't have done it without them, to, you know, Mayor Lopez, right? I mean, to all, everybody who, who really made this monumental project happen was there. So to me, it was such a great day because of that, right? We were all together, which rarely we ever, you know, are all in the same room, you know, nonetheless party. I had to watch the video, I think, afterwards to really become emotional because, you know, I had to be up there and emcee it, and I was running on empty. But I do remember, especially when Governor Newsom hugged me on stage, I mean, you just, you don't get too many moments like that in conservation. I mean, heck, you don't get too many moments like that in life. Everybody was happy. There was a pride, uh, a hopefulness that we did something impossible and big together. And I think that was really reflective in all of the talks. These were not elected getting up there with campaign speeches. I mean, you know, they were, f they were joyful and funny. No, it was a joyful day. And I think it does show how these projects so much divides us these days. What I found with not just this wildlife crossing, but others is I think most of us can agree we don't want wildlife killed right. on the side right. of the road. Absolutely. And so I think it really showed how these types of projects can bring us together when so much divides us yeah. these days. Yeah. So funding. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, great projects, mm -hmm. big projects. Yeah. And we both know that when you work on big projects, they come with a cost. Yeah. Uh, so if you could give the community a perspective on what's the estimated cost as we mm -hmm. know it today, because those can change as well, but also um, where did those funding sources sure. come from? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my perspective on what is high cost has really changed <laughs> over time. Um, Listen, we've spent hundreds of millions of dollars in the Santa Monica Mountains to preserve land. So um, for me, that you know, the 90 million price tag that we're at for this wildlife crossing, especially given what we're trying to do, does not seem that high. Um, when you look at, you know, we're building a structure over a 10-lane freeway and another road. I mean, comparing that to other costs, like I think the Lost Hills interchange, which involved no interest, was like 30 million, right? So I mean. It, it is not more expensive than any other road projects. So I think just trying to put that a little bit in perspective. But on the other hand, I, I you know, 90 million is still a lot of money. Um, but we were really purposeful at the beginning. Um, we knew this was gonna be visionary and kind of unprecedented. And, and when you're first out of the gate like that, you know, um, government money isn't always, you know, the, the source you need to go to or want to go to. So that's where this private side came in and getting private donors from Leonardo DiCaprio to Wallace Annenberg to others to kind of match you know, the state. Um, we were very also purposeful about, at the beginning, we are not taking transportation dollars or other dollars away. So right now it stands, you know, we, we bantied around percentages over time. I, you know, for me, the percentage was irrelevant, but the criteria wasn't. It, it landed about 50-50 private public where we're at, um, but the public dollar side, again, those are funds that, that were allocated towards conservation, right? So like, you know, Prop 1 money or Prop 68, it couldn't be spent on anything else. Um, so those funds, we really, for the public side, we really focused on funds like that for the most part. And then obviously the private side came from, as, as we talked about. So this was not ever, we never wanted to take away from transportation budgets, hospital budgets, you name it. Um, and we were pretty purposeful about yeah. that. Well, kudos to you and your team for finding a way to, to fund it, you know, and to do that in a fiscally responsible way. Yeah, so exactly. That's great. This really showed, and it's, I think, a model we want to keep doing is where private can really help 
you know, match those public dollars. And alone, neither one could have probably done this. But together, it, you know, it was really, I mean, I think we saw this during the pandemic in California too, where Newsom partnered with private business to get us what we needed. So I think there's a model here that both Wallace Annenberg and Governor Newsom led at this project that I think is so rec replicable elsewhere. Yeah. So now people are sitting at home, I can feel the excitement mm -hmm. of some people maybe wanting to contribute. Oh, if they want to, yeah. how mm -hmm. can they? So if you go to savelacougars.org, you can help donate to that campaign and that helps with other, you know, uh, the research, the plant nursery, other, you know, other conservation projects in the area, you name it, uh, it's, it's going to help us do more. I love it. And for those that might not be to have the financial means to contribute, but they mm -hmm. want to contribute their time and be involved, yeah. how can they do that? Yeah, I mean, we, everything helps. Donations, volunteerism, just helping us get the word out. So go to savelacougars.org as well. Uh, you can sign up for our e-newsletter there or the 101 Wildlife Crossing. We have two sites now. One is really focused on the crossing. We have a volunteer program, a really great volunteer program. Um, our both volunteering on things like events or at the plant nursery, but also we have a new Wallace Annenberg Wildlife Crossing docent program. The Cougar Conservancy uh, organization is a partner in this. And these are people we have to go through a lot of training, but are gonna be giving tours to, you know, what we talked about before, to visiting dignitaries or, or school groups or wherever um, about the crossing. And that, if you're really interested, that would be a great way to participate as well as become a docent. I love it. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. So. Mm -hmm. When you define success, when this project's all said and done, and mm -hmm. what, will, what will be that definition of success for you? Because I think some people who look at that and say, well, that's an obvious one. It's when the project's done, that's successful. And that's true, there's part of that. But I feel like there's a deeper definition that we might be missing. And I, and I was thinking about something else I read on this, and, and that's, you know, they were talking about, this one writer was talking about P22's footsteps and kind of talking about the trek of, you know, there are these imprints in the ground all throughout the, the hills that, that he was able to go, and you can see where he walked or where he laid or where he rested. But bigger than that was that he left foot, a foot trail towards the future. I know, I read that too, it was right? beautifully written. It was written, beautifully yeah. written, and that touched me. And so when I think about that, I think that plays a little bit more to the deeper meaning that I'm talking about. When this project is done, the, you know, the greater good that it's accomplishing doesn't stop there. Instead of this being an ending, it's more like a beginning, wouldn't you say? I absolutely agree with you, well put. I think, you know, there, again, there's the obvious success. I mean, how good are we all gonna feel when that first coyote or mountain lion or even monarch butterfly yeah. flies over the crossing, right? That's success. But we were just um, right around when P-22's death happened right before we were at, I was with Secretary Wade Crowfoot at the United Nations, the Biodiversity Conference, and we did a, a conference on this world stage about the wildlife crossing and NP22. And uh, for me, that's, like you said, that's the success is this is, people are thinking differently about these projects and where to do them and how to do them. And looking at this one, Agora Hills and the Wallace Annenberg yeah. Crossing as a model, and it's already happening. Like, it's not even that this has to be finished. I get calls all the time now. How'd you do it? We'd love your help. Um, you know, could you give us design assistance? You know, whatever it is, people are already looking at it. And, and this project, not even just project by project, has inspired a level of investment from the government. So, you know, the federal government, President Biden in the, not this year, but the last infrastructure package, put 350 million in for wildlife crossings across the country. They cited Liberty Canyon in that. So, 
you know, it, it is inspiring more. That to me is a success. If we just do one and done, what's the point? But that we now, Governor Newsom is committed to doing more. We have private philanthropy committed to do more. That California is in, in the country and, you know, is going to see more of these crossings um, in a way that was not possible before. That That's the footsteps that he left that we need to follow. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there you have it, folks. You know, another episode in the books. I cannot express enough in words the gratitude that I have on behalf of our community for you taking the time to be here today. You know, Beth, your, your, your honesty, your accessibility, your, uh, you know, just everything about you is just such a, uh, an amazing, it's so infectious. And I think it, you know, it really is something that uh, I just feel so fortunate to know you and I know our, com our community is so thankful to all of your efforts. So thank you for taking the time to be with us. Well, I'm thankful right back. It, I, I can't think of a better city than Agora Hills um, to put this crossing in. You have been just amazing to work with and we really appreciate it. And I'm glad, I'm also grateful to have you and the whole team in, in my life and also that you're proud of this. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Mm -hmm. So until we see you next time, you know how to do it on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Keep living the good life. In Agora Hills. Take care. Catch up on previous episodes at agorahillspodcast.com and hit that like button and subscribe to The Good Life, Agora Hills.